All right, grab your Bibles if you would. Just had to change gears there. <clears throat> and let's turn in the Word to Revelation, the last book of the Bible. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 2, we'll read a few verses. Notice, if you would, the title of the book is Revelation, not Revelations Many. And that's because this is the revelation, right? The revelation of Jesus Christ. And a lot of good stuff in this book. It's a prophetical book, symbolical book. There's a lot of things that are easy to understand. There are a lot of things that are not easy to understand. It's very challenging as you study it, but it's very inspiring as well. So tonight I want to look at just a couple of things here in chapter 2 and apply it to our life. Now this morning I said I like to preach on Sunday mornings, a salvation or discipleship type message, and then on Sunday nights I like to preach a message to the church family or something that would benefit us personally. So these messages kind of overlap a little bit in this category. Uh, but I trust it will be an encouragement and help to you as we begin this new year of 2023, serving the Lord and looking forward to what God has for us. I trust this message will help us as we, uh, as we apply and, and use what we heard this morning. Revelation chapter 2, if you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. We're going to begin reading in just a moment in verse 1 and read down through verse 5. First, I'd like to pray, and then we'll begin reading in verse 1. So let's pray together. Father, how we love you tonight, how we thank you for your precious word. What a privilege that we have tonight to hold in our hands the word of God. We thank you for that. We ask now that as we gather around your word as a church family, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts. We pray that you'll be our teacher and guide through the scriptures. Lord, that you'd make it personal and that you would show us what you'd have us to do. Lord, we just ask you to convict us, instruct us, inspire us, motivate us, Lord, Move us, encourage us, strengthen us, Lord, whatever, whatever the need is tonight, that we might truly be what you'd have us to be in this coming year. We pray you do your work in our hearts and in our lives as we read the scriptures tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, verse 1, the Bible says in Revelation 2, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience for my name's sake, and hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Tonight I want to read verse 5 again. Notice we have instructions from the Lord here. Verse 5 says, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Or else I will come to thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. I want to preach tonight a message I've entitled, A Recipe for Revival. A Recipe for Revival. Thank you. you. may be seated tonight. Now, there is a prophetical message here to the churches. I'm not really trying to preach that kind of a message, 
what I want to do is take the message to the church at Ephesus and apply it to us personally tonight. I believe God's instructions to them are fitting and applicable to us as individuals today. The reason I say that is because we often, as people, as Christians, we experience the same thing that this church experienced. Well, you can call it backsliding or whatever term you want to put onto it. Maybe a good word to use is, is one that my friend used a lot. It's the word drift. You know, we're all subject to drift. We do at times. We do at times vacillate. We do move. We do drift sometimes uh, to and fro, maybe a little bit, uh, you know, forward, a little bit back. Sometimes we drift away from what we ought to be doing or maybe maybe the eagerness with which we ought to be serving. Do we not? Sometimes we're a little more eager than others. Sometimes we're a little less. Sometimes we're a little more excited. Sometimes we're a little less. Right? And we find ourselves in that state. So when the Lord comes to the church at Ephesus, look what he says to them. There's a lot of important words here that I don't have time to expound all of them. Notice in verse 2, he said, look, I, I know what you've done. You, you can't bear them that are evil. Boy, isn't that good that we're not fitting in with, with the evil crowd. There's a lot of evil in our world today. And, and I believe as children of God, as Christians, when we watch the news, when we listen to the headlines, uh, when we hear this propaganda, we need to be able to identify it for what it is. We need to be able to see and recognize the evil in the world around us. We should not be participants with that kind of thing. Notice he said, you've tried them which say they are apostles and are not. Well, in order to try that, first you have to understand... That there are imposters. You know, Paul taught that it's no marvel that Satan himself has transformed himself into an angel of light. The devil likes to appear as the minister of God. There are a lot of imposters out there. People who say they are, you know, of God and they're not. They're preaching a false doctrine, a false faith, a false gospel. And, and, and we, have to, we have to first understand that exists. And then we have to second, we have to be able to identify that when it, when it does come our way. We have, to, we have to be able to see in order to try those who, are, who say they are apostles and are not, who say they're, they're of God and are not. We have to be able to uh, recognize and understand that, to try them and to come to the conclusion that this is of God or it's not of God. Hey, let me pause and just say, can you do that? Do you know enough Bible tonight to recognize when somebody's telling you the truth or preaching a Bible message to you or when they're not? It's very important that we do. It's very important that we can exercise that kind of discernment in our life and in our world today. Why? Because there are false preachers out there. There are false apostles. And I'm not saying that to cast doubt on anyone. I'm just saying that so that we can have that kind of awareness to recognize that the devil walks around and he impersonates the work of God, and he will come. That's why the Bible talks about wolves in sheep's clothing. The Bible talks here about false apostles, angels of light. The Bible tells us about those things so that we can be armed and aware and prepared. When we meet those, uh, we know what to do. So God's recognizing this church. Hey, they did the right thing. They tried those that claim to be uh, preachers and apostles, professors, teachers, and they're not. They were able to recognize who the false teachers were, and God commended them for that. You and I should be able to do that as well. Verse 3, he said, You've borne and you've had patience for my namesake and has labored and has not fainted. 
Hey, what a great quality. Look, God knows when the burdens get heavy. God knows when we've pressed for the mark. God knows when we've just worn ourselves out. Paul talked about spending and being spent for the congregation of God. And, you know, that happens as we serve the Lord. Sometimes we just wear ourselves out. God sees that. Amen. It's encouraging to know and be reminded tonight. Look what the Lord said. He said, I I see that. You've labored and you've not fainted. But then in verse 4, the tragic news comes. He says, but I have somewhat against you. Now, what could you have against the people of God, against a faithful church family who have not uh, put up with the evil and who have tried the false apostles and found them liars and who has labored and, and, and has sustained and not fainted? It's kind of hard to find something against them, isn't it? What happened? Well, their service, their devotion, their Christian life got their faith, their worship. It just got dry. It just became empty, monotonous, routine. He didn't say you stopped serving the Lord. He didn't say you, you know, you, you quit coming to church. But what did he say? You left your first love. You left your first love. He said, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. You know, when we think about revival, what is it? It's, it's that awakening that brings us back to that state of recognizing our first love, isn't it? That's what we call revival, when we get all of that back. So how do we get revival? That's the message tonight. That's what the Lord is giving to this church, the recipe for revival. He's telling them how to get back where they were. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. Look at verse 5. He says the first part of this recipe Uh, Thou hast left thy first love, right? The first part of this recipe is, he said in verse 5, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Remember. We talked this morning about looking back. And sometimes we have to do that. uh, And we do that in more ways than one. Right? So when things get dry and when they get boring and monotonous and and we feel like we've lost our love for the Lord and, and, and things just are routine and our devotions dry up and we feel like our prayers don't pass the ceiling, what do we do? Well, we remember our first love. We remember the state we were in, right? When we felt like we were walking with God and when we felt like God was speaking to us in our, through our Bible reading and prayer, when we felt like God was hearing and answering our prayers. Remember those days when going to church was exciting and serving God was fun and we just wanted to tell everybody about the Lord. He said, remember that. Remember that? Hey, let me ask you tonight. Do you remember? You know, that's half the problem. We just forgot. We forgot where we came from. We forgot what God saved us from. If you're here tonight and you're saved by the grace of God, it's because. It's because one day somebody took a Bible and they showed you how God sees you. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when you saw the truth of God's word, you realized, oh no, God sees me guilty as a sinner. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Well, the Bible teaches that death is a separation. First, we get separated from this body. And then, if we die without Jesus, we get separated from God for all eternity in a place called hell. The Bible talks about that. But the Bible also tells us that the Bible says that God commended his love toward us and that Christ, 
while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And when somebody shared that truth from the Bible with you, you found hope and assurance in God's word. You realized that without him, you'd die in your sins and you'd be on your way to hell. But with him, because of what Jesus did on the cross, with Jesus, you could be forgiven and born into the family of God and on your way to heaven. And the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You remember that? The day that you decided... That's me. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to accept Jesus as my Savior. And you prayed and you asked Jesus to come in your life, forgive you of your sins, take you to heaven. And then after that, woohoo! remember that? How excited you were? Man, the whole, the whole world looked better. Right? Life was good. Your sins were forgiven. That burden had been lifted. Like that song says, burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. And you sure felt he was near. When you received him as your savior, remember that? You know, after a while, time goes by, we just, we just forget. We forget what we have. We forget who we have. We forget what he did for us. And we let the activities of coming to church and, and praying and reading our Bible, we, we, we let that just become routine. And it becomes duty. And then it becomes drudgery. And then one day we wake up like this church. And we realize, boy, I'm not where I used to be. It sure ain't like it was. It's just not as exciting anymore. I just don't seem to be getting what I used to get out of my Bible reading. I don't feel like my prayers are getting past the ceiling. You know, it's just going to church just ain't as fun as it used to be. I'm going to tell you something. It isn't God that changed. It's you. It's us. And so God brought this message to the church and he addresses their condition, the current status of where they are. He says, hey, look, I got a problem with that. Remember from whence thou art fallen. Looking back on this, you have to say, how was it when you got saved? What were you doing for the Lord? What was the the quality? What was the status of your Christian life? What was going on back then? And, and, you know, and think about how you felt, how you loved God, how, how sincere it was, how eager you were. Where's all that? He said, remember that. You know, there is a value in, in going back and, and recollecting for yourself, recollecting what you once were, what you had, revisiting that and remembering that. Why? Because that's the target again. That's where you want to get back to. There's a lot of people that get away from the Lord in their life. They lose the joy of the Lord. And then they try to get back. And after a week or two, they come and say, Pastor, I don't know what's wrong with me. I got away from the Lord. I backslid. And I've been trying to get back. And I've been trying to get back. And I can't get back. And I say, well, how long have you been trying? Two or three weeks. Well, you know, it was probably longer than two or three weeks. It probably took you longer than that to get away from him, didn't it? Yeah. You know, that slide where you just gradually got into monotony and boredom and all of that was probably longer than two or three weeks. Well, guess what? It's going to take you longer than two or three weeks to get back there. 
Because now you're not sliding, you're climbing the stairs. And you know, it's always, it takes longer climbing the stairs. You know, the problem with taking the stairs is the first, the first flight's okay. But then the second flight's a little slower and the third flight, whoo. And by the fourth flight, oh, you're huffing and puffing and you're just barely taking each little step, right? You, get, you slow down, don't you? It's a little harder going back up than it was coming down. But the effort is always worth it because you can get back to where you want to be. We have to focus and remember where we were and what we were doing. Remember from whence thou art fallen. And then notice step number two. He said, repent. Repent. What does that mean? Well, to repent, that's volitional change. Repentance means to change your will. Right? It, it means to realize you're going the wrong way and turn around. The U-turn is not the repentance. The repentance is what caused the U-turn. It's the realization that you need to go a different direction. You've fallen out of love with Jesus. And what we need to do is get right with God. We need to turn our heart again to the Lord. I like that song that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Oh, you know, that's true every time. When we behold his glory, when we see how good he is, you know, everything else seems to kind of fade in comparison to that. So what do we need to do? We need to repent. We need to turn back to the Lord. We need to seek him again. We need to love him again. Fall in love with Jesus all over again. I want to ask you a question tonight. In order to have that kind of repentance, let me ask you a question. What caused you to love the Lord? Now, the first step was remember. Can you go back that far? Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Think about your early days in church when you first got started, when you first got saved. What made you love God? What made you love going to church? Do you remember sitting in church and listening to sermons and, and, and Sunday school lessons? Do you remember holding the Bible in your lap? Oh, and listen, man, you love the smell of a new Bible. Man, the Word of God. Wow. What made you love the Bible? What was it? If you'll think enough about those questions, if you'll answer those, you'll figure out how to get back. I have an idea tonight, but there are some specific answers to those questions. Maybe, maybe you loved going to church because you felt like there was love there. Maybe you loved going to church because maybe because somebody picked you up. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe somebody sat with you. Right? Maybe you love the Bible because of the truth that was being applied to your life. Because, because back then you lived what you learned and you saw the change for the better that it brought into your world when you obeyed the Word of God and what it did for you and your family. You know, we need, we need, to, we need to remember that. And that's part of that repentance is, is looking back realizing that, hey, I'm without that, and now realizing what it is I'm without. I want to ask you tonight, what caused you to love God? What makes you want to go to church? What makes you want to read your Bible? What makes you want to pray? Is it listening to the Bible? Does that cause you to love God? Is it hearing sermons? Christian music? Is it memorizing Scripture? 
Is it sharing the gospel with someone who's never heard it before? Is it going to church? Is it studying the Bible with a friend? What, what are the things that cause you, that stir your love for God? What are those things? Now you might think, well, if, if I'm in a state of monotony and confusion, if I'm not where I used to be, and if I'm not getting anything out of those things like I used to, why is it important to know that? Because of step number three. Step one is remember where you fell from. Step number two is repent. Let's acknowledge that we've gotten off track and let's desire to get back. And then step three, notice what he says here. Repent, and then he says, and do the first works. The answer to that question is exactly the recipe. It's the solution. It's the antidote, if you will, to this drudgery that we're waking up in. God found the church at Ephesus in this uh, lackadaisical love state, in this state of drudgery, not despair, but monotony, boredom. They have become complacent with the things of God, gotten away from their first love. But God says the way to get it back is to go again and do the first works, the things that you did in the beginning. What were those? Do the first works, he said. Whatever you used to do for God, start doing it again. Give God time in your life. You know, we have to rebuild those habits. We have to restore the fellowship and the, restore the connection that we had with God. We have to repeat the effort. And guess what happens when we do? When we repeat the effort enough and we're consistent in doing it, and we do it over in our duration, over a long enough span, as we put in the effort, guess what happens? The emotion will come. It will follow. A young lady sat across my desk. My wife and I were talking to her about this very thing. And she was one of those that said, I've gotten away from the Lord and I can't get back. I come to church, but it doesn't feel the same. I read my Bible, it doesn't feel the same. I, I, I talk to people about the Lord. I pray, but it doesn't feel the same. What do I do? And I'm going to tell you tonight exactly what I told her. Keep doing those things. Keep doing those things. Because the feelings don't come back at first. It takes a while to, to engage your emotions and to rebuild those connections. But if you're consistent and you're faithful over time, eventually you'll reconnect. Eventually you'll get it back. The joy will return. The, the, the fun will return. The love will return. The fellowship will be restored. The prayer connection will be reestablished. You will sense God's presence again. Why? Because the Bible says that if you'll meet God, He'll meet you. You take a step toward Him, He'll take a step toward you. God promises to bless our effort to get reconnected with Him. You know, the Bible gives us this very principle. Let me, let me just show it to you. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Here is a, a biblical principle on how to get your heart in tune with God. You want to you get your heart uh, in line with the Lord? You, you want to be valuing what God values? Here's how you do it. The Bible says in Matthew 6, verses 19 and 20, notice what it says. Lay, up for yourselves treasures, uh, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where, neither, where thieves do not break through nor steal. So God's saying, put all your effort into amassing, amassing treasure in heaven. That's what you should be living for down here. Then in verse 21, watch what he says. He says, for where your treasure is. Now, right above the word treasure, if you're in the habit of marking in your Bible, I want you to do something. Right above the word treasure, write the word effort or work or labor or however you want to word that. Where your treasure is, notice he says, there will your heart be also. Right above the word heart, put your emotion. Where your effort is, there will your emotion be also. You know, we get emotionally invested in that which we put most our time into. When we work hard on something and we invest a lot of time in it and, and we have, and put a lot of effort into it, eventually our heart gets attached to that. God knows how we're wired. He, he made us. And so he said, if you want your heart to be in heaven, then what you got to do is start laying up treasure there. Because when you start putting in all of that effort to lay up treasure in heaven, eventually what's going to happen is your heart's going to be there. Now the Bible tells us in the book of Colossians that we're to long for Christ, right? That, that we're to seek those things which are above, that we're to set our affection on things above. How, how do you do that? By putting effort into those things. By investing yourself. Hey, look, the reason why you were excited when you first got saved is because you were heavily investing yourself in God. God had invested in you. He saved you. And that caused you to invest yourself into him. You went to church. You started reading your Bible. You started praying. You started talking to people about Jesus, inviting people to come to church with you. You were doing all these things, investing yourself. And as a return, you got joy and your emotions were connected and you loved God and it was good. So how do you get that back? <laughs> you got to go back to the beginning and you have to repeat that same process. You got to do again what you once did. You have to rebuild that. Oh, it takes time. And as that young lady sat across from my desk, my wife and I said, look, it's going to take a while for all the feeling and the emotion that you remember to come back into the picture. You got to give it time. You got to be faithful. You got to hang in there. Don't don't throw in the towel because it doesn't feel the same. And then I said this, don't compare yourself now when you look back. Don't compare yourself now to your highest spiritual mountaintop. Because those were moments. Right? You need to compare yourself now to your average daily experience and you need to get back to that. And then you will have other mountaintops later on. Right? Hey, look, the way to get invested in God is to make investments. Repeat the effort and the emotion will follow. Ask God for that fresh feeling again. You know, here's one thing we forget to do. We, we repent and we say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've drifted away. Uh, my life's kind of cold. I'm not as excited as I used to be. The joy's gone. The enthusiasm's gone. It's kind of monotonous and, you know, boring. And, and I've just let my Christian life drift too far. 
So we say, Lord, forgive me, and I want to come back, and we, and we start, we get excited, we get a new Bible reading schedule, we start praying again, we make a prayer list, we start doing all these things, but we fail to pray. And we fail to say, God, help me. Help me get re-engaged. God, help me fall in love with you again. Lord, Lord, help me love my Bible reading. Lord, open my heart so that I can receive truth from your word. Don't leave that out. That's the most important ingredient. Pray, ask God to give back to you what you had. The Bible says in Psalm 51.10, this was David praying. You know what he said? He was in the same status. He had gotten away from the Lord. He had lost the joy of the Lord. He said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. He said, Restore to me, not salvation, but the joy of thy salvation. Think about it. He was asking God to help him get restored. You know, don't think that, that this, isn't, this isn't a humanistic effort. Don't, don't think that you can get restored to God all by yourself. You, you do need God to participate. You, you need his part as much as your part to be working and happening. So talk to God about your restoration. Talk to God about your feelings. Talk to God about getting reconnected. Talk to God about your prayer life and your, and your Bible reading. Ask God to reveal the truth of his word to you. Once again. And if you'll do that, you can get back where you were. In the book of James, the Bible says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. That's the reference I was making earlier. It's a promise in God's word. God will meet you halfway, so to speak, when you make the effort to get restoration, when you decide to come back. As we engage in a new year, Maybe tonight you've had some drift set in. Maybe tonight you're not really where you'd like to be in your Christian life. I want to give you the recipe for revival. Listen, you don't have to wait for the whole church to get involved. We don't have to call a special evangelist, and we don't need a whole week's worth of meetings. All you need to do is implement this recipe right here, and you can cook up a revival in your own heart and life, and it can start right now tonight. How about it? Let's go into 2023, loving God, revived, repeating the first works and asking God to restore the joy of our salvation again. Are you with me? This is the recipe for revival and it's available to you tonight. Let's bow in prayer. Father, how we love you, how we thank you for your goodness to us and how we pray once again, Lord, that you would just work, do your will in our lives. Draw us close to you. Help us to make our effort to draw nigh And we pray that you would meet us there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.